a vital part of American democracy is how veteran WDIV local four anchor Devin Skillian views the importance of journalism. He and I share a similar kinship and synergy on the issue. Thus, I was honored to have him as a guest this week to discuss the vitality of the profession under President Trump and how we protect its integrity. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. Our informative and interactive discussion began when Skillingen provided some insights and perspective on his impassionate plea he made to his audience in March when he urged them to remember the vital role that journalism holds in our democracy. So when we look at what you said following a President Trump's press conference about how it was uh, dispiriting and how the White House kind of moves uh, from position from position, you really were impassionate about your message. And when people ask me about journalism, I always tell them that it's my lifeblood or my passion in life. So I really uh, thought when you made that remark, you were sort of speaking to the soul of the profession. Would you agree with that? I, you know, it's funny. When I started to say what I said, um, that night, I can't say that I had all of these very high-minded <laughs> ideals, you know, in mind. I was responding at the moment, and I am still this many weeks afterwards, still, to be honest with you, slightly ambivalent about my reaction, because um, I, my job as an anchor man is to be the one who keeps his cool. And I also believe, as I've told you, um, I believe strongly that I, you know, I'm not in the opinion business. Now I am in the truth telling business and I am in the fact finding business. And so um, I, I did feel at that moment um, that there were an awful lot of journalists who were working under suddenly extreme circumstances to try and get the truth to people who needed um, more than ever to have good, solid, reliable information uh, as, as far as the, the pandemic that we were just starting to get our arms around at the time. And so I thought that at, at a moment like that, people need to trust. They need to trust the, the, the reporters that they're, that they're watching, listening to, and reading. They need to trust that our compass is calibrated on the right things. And so at that very moment, I, I, I think that was my reaction. It was probably built around watching what we were doing just in this newsroom. All of a sudden, 85% of this TV station's personnel were working at home. Uh, 
um, reporters were trying to figure out how do I interview somebody without getting close to them or not, not getting to them at all. Photographers still were the indispensable. They, they really couldn't do anything except still do what they did, have done all the, time, all the time. And that was just our newsroom. And I knew that was going on in newsrooms everywhere. And I, I think it was just a, a little bit of a reaction to uh, at a time right now when people need to trust what they're reading, hearing, and seeing uh, not the best time, maybe, to uh, talk about fake news. And when you talk about fake news, certainly it's a uh, popular expression that the president likes to use. And I think as journalists, and now I don't like to give my opinion either, but as journalists, I think it's very dangerous when you demean the hardworking people in uh, the profession. And, and I think when you uh, made those remarks, you were speaking to that as well. Would that be correct? I, 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 yes, I think that's fair. You know, I've, I've, I've said to people before, there probably, there may be too much opinion in journalism, but if you think of journalism as being a massive cake, the opinion people in our business are really the icing. They get a lot of the attention. <laughs> They're the most visible part. And uh, so, of course, there are people like Maureen Dowd and uh, David Brooks, and, and, and I, I could go on and on with the columnists who have quite a footprint in America, and the commentators in, in the media, on radio and on cable news. But the bulk of the cake is made up of people like you and me. We're really uh, not in the opinion business. We're working hard to try to, I, I tell people that my job is to be an aggressive Switzerland every day. And I have always thought it a pretty good uh, token in my cup that um, I get half and half, the hate mail that I get runs half and half. Half of it is from people who can't believe that I am such a committed liberal. Uh, allowed to, you know, be on television every day. The other half is with people who just don't understand why Channel 4 lets a conservative like me run amok. And I can only say that that's a fairly good sign. If I'm getting, if I'm getting just as much, you know, anguish from both sides. And I really resent and reject the idea that reporters can't be neutral observers. And, and I have lamented the fact that some journalism um, outlets, some newsrooms have given in to the idea of, of well, I couldn't possibly be accepted, expected to not share my opinion. So I'll tell you what my opinion is right from the outset and try to make a virtue of that rather than understanding that being Switzerland is a, is a pretty important and I think still very noble way to pursue this business. And when we look at the future of the uh, position or profession, I'm just wondering if you could tell me whether you think objective journalism has been compromised as a result of the current political climate we're living in? And how do you think uh, we can uh, uh, preserve the integrity of the uh, profession? I am I'm deeply concerned about our existential crisis right now. People like to point out that journalism is a business and I always say, yes, it's a business, but it's the only business mentioned by name in the constitution. It is a terribly important and vital part of a functioning democracy. But to be an important and vital part of a functioning democracy, I think we do have to be um, arbiters of the truth rather than arbiters of a side. Uh, we need to tell people what's going on without uh, capitulating to the 
world of opinion that swirls around us and even more so than ever because of, of what happens on social media. So I am very concerned about it. And there's a couple of things that I, that I wish we could do. Number one, I really would love to see and unfortunately, it's not particularly profitable, and that's why it won't happen. I really do wish that places like CNN would go back to uh, less talking heads and a lot more reportage. Now, it's a lot more expensive to put bureaus all over the world and tell people what's going on than it is to put four people around a desk in a studio and ask them what they think. Um, but I, I really would, I long for the day that CNN wants to again be the American BBC. I really think that would be a, a really a, a good step in the right direction. I also think it would help if our newspapers would find a better way of separating opinion from reportage. In the old days, when I picked up a, a, a newspaper, I knew if I was on page, say, whatever it was, page seven, that that was where all the opinion was. I was on the editorial page, and everything that I was reading on that page was opinion. It was separated out from the rest of the paper. Nowadays, since most of us are reading things online, there's no... There's no fence, there's no, uh, no membrane separating opinion from reportage. And, and I, my idea would be, I think we should color code it. If a story is, is opinion, then why don't we put it as white on a black background instead of white on a black background? I mean, instead of black on a white background. Or, or you know, pick a color. Let's put the font in purple, whatever you want to do, but let's do a better job of separating opinion from reportage, because I think in that way, we are often our own, our own worst enemy and letting them commingle. Yeah, and my final question for you has to do with that in terms of how do you think we'll deliver news into the future? Because obviously social media is now a big part of how we deliver, deliver the news, but how uh, can we make sure that its objective uh, moving forward. Really hard because you know right now I you know I'm 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 I guess a veteran in this business so I'm an old school old. You've been doing it for a while. I yes and I and I hate to sound like a grumpy old man, going you know it was better when we only had three channels doing news every night at six o'clock and you only had one or two newspapers a day and that was really the sum total of our information funnel that we had. Now, of course, that wasn't great. There was a lot of things that we weren't learning back then and the, the internet uh, has, has changed that. We have this now, uh, the opportunity to learn so much about what's going on around us. Unfortunately, it's also like trying to sip out of a fire hose. It's coming at us so fast and so hard uh, and a lot of it is not particularly well vetted. And it's funny to me that so many people right now say, you know, the president loves to talk about uh, fake news at the New York Times. I, I can't begin to tell you how many layers things go through at the New York Times before it makes its way into a story. And if they do make a mistake, here's what happens in my world when we get something wrong. We correct it. We retract it. We apologize for it. We may do all three of those things. And in some cases, people lose their jobs for it. Uh, we had, we had uh, was it last year or the year before, a couple of CNN producers were fired. And it wasn't even, as I recall, it wasn't that they got the story wrong. They weren't following the proper sourcing procedures that had been laid down for them. So what happens when the White House right now tells us something that's not true? Does anybody- There's apologize? no filter. There's no, yes, there's none of that. Nobody loses a job for it. Uh, there's no correction. There's no explanation. Um, so I, I, I just kind of, I, I really wish that we could 
convince people that the standards and practices that have been laid down at, I hate to say it, the old guard institutions, the places like uh, the Washington Post and the New York Times, that's the way it's supposed to be done. And when you're reading bobsnews.com, <laughs> it's not necessarily being vetted that way. And it takes, if, if you want to read that stuff, that's fine, but you're kind of on your own and, and, and you have the responsibility to vet it because nobody else has been vetting it for you. And so I, I, I think that's one thing is we've got to do a, a much better job of telling our own story about how hard we work to get things right. And uh, it's, it's very difficult right now when so many people have decided that if they don't like what a story says, that that makes it fake. If they don't like what we're reporting, that that somehow lessens its veracity. And that is not at all uh, a very uh, safe place for us to be as American consumers of news. Hey, David, I want to thank you very much for taking a few minutes to talk with me. It was a lot of fun. I value your time and opinion, and thanks for being with us this afternoon. I sure hope we can do it again. Thanks. Have a good day.